Hey everybody, welcome to Public Access America's Just the Tip. How about you, Dan? Uh, I'm going to stick with the video game theme a little bit. Um, if you have a VR headset and you play games on that, make sure that you are hydrated before you start playing. Because then, first of all, it's not just like it could be tiring on your body, but also making sure that you stay hydrated helps with your balance and helps because, you know, after you play VR for 45 minutes or an hour and you take the headset off and your head is swimming, you're less likely to be nauseous if you're well hydrated beforehand. So if you're going to go do fun things that completely surround your sense of sight and hearing and everything with a wonderful VR headset, make sure you're taking care of yourself. This is a, this is a ton of fun to come chat with you guys and just have some really sensible, wholesome conversation where we get to break life down a little bit. And I really appreciate contributing to the show and helping, hopefully helping you guys succeed a little bit because I love, I love your mission, love what you guys are doing. Well, people love Happy 750. You. Thank you. <laughs> it is time now for something positive. We might be headed to the promised land the promised of speaking land, the truth and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. The problem can only be solved when there is a kind of coalition of conscience. Of conscience. Because conscience. that is how it works. This is the beginning, it is not the finale. And that's why we're here. And that's why we rally, 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 rally. We've got to be that creative minority. Creative minority. Creative minority. A way to get in the way. I got in trouble. It was good trouble. It was necessary trouble. Frankly, I know we've got to do something. Do something. Is it, or did it just start? Maybe. Don't know. Two different things, or the thing. Hey, how are you doing? What's up? Welcome to Public Access America. We're going to call me Jason. I'm going to call this one Jeffrey, and we're just going to talk. (laughs) Yay. What's up? What's top of mind with you? I'm going to tell you at at 10 o'clock my time, 8 a.m. your time, I had nothing in my note. Just nothing. I just didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? Hmm. Honestly, like it's it's Ukraine. Ukraine was like ugh, mm. gross. Just the things I hear, I'm like, we could probably talk for two hours on that. But could. I always like to have other topics too, you know, mm-hmm. just in case, just in case, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was nervous, but now I have too much in my note. But I really want to know how Jeffrey's doing. What's top of mind on that part of the country, you know? <laughs> on the Washington side of the continent? Sure. Oh, you know. Um Honestly, like, yeah, Ukraine seems to be the biggest one just because, like, it's been such a shit show. And, and I believe that we're finally, like, uh, the Seattle area is starting to get its first wave of, of Ukrainian refugees. Okay. So Washington's always been really good about, um, you know, bringing refugees in. Like, we've we brought in a bunch of Afghanis, like, when that, uh, when that went sideways. And now, you know, we've got a bunch of Ukrainian refugees who are coming in. So Washington, I like that. That's good. Washington's always been really good about that. I think the biggest problem that Washington has, though, is, is that you already have a lack of affordable housing in the area. So the crunch of getting, you know, 
housing refugees and you know the population is already struggling mm-hmm. you know to find housing it makes it exceedingly difficult <clears throat> and on top yeah. of that and like it, the regulation it creates it creates sort of a divide in the populations mm-hmm. too that i was just talking to somebody yesterday about this and it's like refugees taking in refugees are fine but you pretty much set them up in a way you don't set the impoverished here up and that's unequal in some way you know well and, and i mean realistically it's like when it comes to the access to housing issue like washington doesn't do itself any favors in a lot of places where right. you know you they don't build multifamily homes or they've have it zoned in such a weird way and you know they don't invest a lot in like apartments and things like that and you know so you end up with a lot of private builders who uh make very nice but very expensive housing and that doesn't exactly lend to affordable housing in a lot of cases or find a loophole to get out of taking the vouchers that we give our veterans to get them off the streets Mm -hmm. I know that was a problem a couple of years ago when we were talking about housing and homelessness and all that. Mm-hmm. So there are a number of issues that even Washington has to work out because, hmm. you know, it's, you do want to get people, you, you do want to figure out a way in order to help people, but at the same time too, yeah. you know, and this is, this is where, you know, some people end up, you know, on the conservative side of the spectrum, they're like, well, you got to help Americans before you help anybody else. And I, I don't necessarily disagree, but I do believe that in the case of extenuating circumstances, sometimes you have to help other people too. And, you know, it, it, what's really funny about this is, is that those same people who go, well, you have to help Americans first. It's like, okay, cool. So you're going to do affordable housing or, you know, mental health care so that way people can get into stable housing well no it's like okay well you know don't know what to tell you you kind of have to do those things too as part of helping americans yeah i i i was part i get i had a great time in my life being a part of big families Mm -hmm. you know i married into big families and one of the things that i noticed in a big family is there was always an issue we were all all rallying around one issue and there was always someone on our couch you know what i mean Mm -hmm. there was always somebody transitioning from one place to another having a hard time um looking to save money to have a better life so if you if you expand that and say we as America are just a big family. We're always going to have a refugee to put on our couch. And I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's what family, that's what families do. And I like that. I don't have a problem with refugees, get them in here, give them, give them safety. And then, yeah, but I think when there isn't a refugee crisis, we should maybe divert the refugee funds towards our homeless or our impoverished. If we could do that in some I I thought about immigration that was my original part of my note was like we hate mm-hmm. immigration but there's like five parts to it we oh. don't hate all of it right. but I don't I don't know you know what I mean so refugees are part of that yep they're they're what they are is there's a group of people and all the governments divide them up and say we're all going to take a portion because we got to keep them safe you know and even within refugees you have a number of different ones and and this is where just Mm -hmm. it gets royally complicated you have refugees from war 
um, you have refugees from political regimes, you know, right. where you know, natural disasters you have. Yeah. You have natural disaster refugees, and then you also have economic refugees where there's just no opportunity in their area. And so right. they leave to find a better life somewhere else. Like there, the problem is, is, is that, you know, when you have any level of, you know, any different number of refugees, you have to, unfortunately come up with a priority list as to who you're going to take in you know because you know you look at it it's like none of them want to leave the area that they're at you have to start from that base but then you end up with this whole you know calculation of well who's in the worst situation and i don't know who has to come up with that calculation but i certainly feel sorry for them well there's here's the difference a refugee we all agree on the issue and we take them. Um, somebody seeking amnesty is closer to what you're talking about to where they're coming here and they're like, this is what I ran from. And then we determine whether that's true. And some of them go and some of them stay. But mm-hmm. during the Trump administration, walking into the building to seek amnesty was crossing a border, which made that a crime, which made them a felon, which meant they couldn't come into the country. It was this tricky little thing. Mm-hmm. But we've always taken people fleeing things and listen to their story and then mm-hmm. determined, you know, for ourselves, you know, and there's even this group of people that like they apply for citizenship because they're a nurse or an engineer or another mm-hmm. portion of a population that we need, you know, like a truck, a Korean truck driver could probably apply for citizenship here right now and get it mm-hmm. simply because he's a truck driver. And those, those things needs we fill too. And nobody has a problem with them either, but they're also immigrants. You know? Right. Like, I mean, I, when I was working in law, you know, in, in truck driving law, you know, almost a decade ago, you know, we had a lot of cases that were, you know, uh, people that were Punjabi, you know, and so the, mm-hmm. we had to work with an organization in order to translate. So, like, most people don't typically care, you know, right. as long as, you know, it, it, when it falls in, it's it's a weird, like, uh, it's a, if it falls into their line of work, they do and don't care. They can empathize mm-hmm. more with that person because, hey, we, we do the same thing. But at the same time, too, when you have, you know, issues with competition and in an already tight labor market, it becomes a difficult issue to to deal with. Right. But, you know, in a market like this where, you know, you have um, uh, a severe lack of of truck drivers, you have a severe, Uh you know, you have severe damage to supply lines. You find that that is a, a little more open than it was in years past, simply because sure. uh, you simply because those people have more empathy for you know a person who does the same job as me. Right, but like a, a Filipino that's a trained nurse, <clears throat> they're all almost automatically accepted to come here, and that's why a lot of countries uh, highlight nursing because mm-hmm. they know they can get a job here in nursing. Yep, you know, and I I have family members that fit into the amnesty portion because uh detorte whatever his name is oh they he he noticed in his country there was a lot of drug activity and gangs were popping up right Mm -hmm. so what he decided to do was to just go to the town where the drugs were and kill everyone everyone because you were either an addict you were in the gang or you were selling drugs and so all the innocent people were screwed and so I had family members actually running from a village where that happened. 
you know? Right. And so I, I, and they're little kids. They're, they're the same thing going on in, in Hungary, same thing going on in Ukraine and Poland and you know, Moldova, all these places where the refugees are just spilling out, you know? Mm-hmm. So I get, I get <clears throat> that. Yeah. But there's also, there's also a group about 7,000 a day, right? And it's rising of people crossing the border actually illegally, like in the dark of night. And uh, 70% of them are single Mexican men just coming looking for work, mm-hmm. you know? And then there's others, like I would guess coyotes and sex traffickers and drug mules and all that. But that's not where the drugs are mainly coming from. That's probably 1% of the drugs, you know? And yeah. But we all hate that. We all hate the illegal entry that way, right? And what I say is I hate it because I wish they had a better way to come in. You know, I don't like the fact that they have to break the law to do it, but they are breaking the law. And I don't think that's fair. I think there's an entrance. You should be able to come through worker entrance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Solve that problem. Yeah. But then there's drugs <clears throat> and drugs are coming in using cartel infrastructure. And yeah. so we can talk about both of those at the same time, if you want, because we hate both of those. Yeah. Like the, the cartel infrastructure that exists for getting drugs and, you know, everybody thinks that it's, you know, like you get a bunch of people going, oh, well, it's just these families coming across or it's just these, you know, it's the gang members coming across. Like, yeah, no, it's it's definitely not that easy. Like, and and I think most people tend to think that you know, bringing drugs into the country is something that's just like, oh, you know, you get somebody who walks across a desolate area of the border, and voila, it's actually much more complicated than that. I think there's there's a number of uh, great there's a number of great articles about how, like, you know, for example, um, you will have literal tunnels, uh, literal tunnels dug underneath of the border from you know baja california well into california proper like they'll have power and ventilation and all of that stuff and you know they go down deep these things the these tunnels are not like they're not great they're not like it's it's not like you're just like you know whistling and walking through this nice area like it's like it's like crawl only until they lay tracks in in a lot of cases. And then it's literally like pulling hand carts back and forth in order to mule drugs across the border in a way that's undetectable or almost undetectable. And a lot of times, like eventually they'll figure out, you know, where these things are. Cause there was one I remember while I was living in Phoenix where they had a pretty uh, elaborate system and like, it, it had power. It had an electric cart that would roll back and forth. And it literally came up like the, the shaft came up in somebody's closet in a house on the U S side. It was right. wild. El or Chapo moved a tub to get into his tunnel to get out. Right. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you've got, you've got these different narco subs that will, you know, land, you know, any in in any number of points along the coast the gulf of mexico clear up into california and i mean like these things are fucking death traps but like you got to appreciate the engineering that it goes into in order for these guys to like be undetected or as undetected as possible there's a there's a few coast guard videos out there where they'll where you see um people you know the coast guard will jump onto these narco subs and some of them are freaking autonomous like they just right set them and forget them 
and they've just got a GPS tracker on them and, and somebody, you know, watches that GPS tracker until it hits a certain point and then they go retrieve it. Or you just hop under the radar right over the border or, but that's the thing is they have the infrastructure to do it. Like, and that doesn't involve people. When we say we hate immigrants, it's not because of the drugs. That's something different. Like the people involved in the drugs, a majority of them don't even come over here. Right. You know what I mean? They just shoot them over here. Well, so it's those 7,000 that we really don't like that we can solve. Cause I'm really tired of this. Oh, great. I hate the immigrant. And you know, Raphael Warner, I oppose title 42 and I'll tell you why, because we're denying people entry because of a false reason when we could deny them entry for a a valid reason. And so I don't like it on its face because it's using the wrong law for the wrong reason. Just get rid of it. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? That's my, and Raphael Warnock is in support of keeping it. And it just, I don't understand that. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted to clarify immigration a little bit because Raphael Warnock in Georgia isn't fearing like border crossings, you know what I mean? But I think he is his, white um constituents you know the people of georgia that he has to uh you know represent i think they fear the immigrant well and and reality is is like you know the the whole drugs argument is is becoming less and less valid because when when you look at when you look at how drugs are being moved into the country it's not it's it's not these you know giant operations that most people are thinking of where it's like you know the tunnels and the narco subs like like fentanyl for example a lot of it's coming in from dark web purchases you know things that are you know seemingly innocuous and you end up you know getting a teddy bear that's got a freaking uh you know little square of it full of fentanyl and that's you know there's been a couple of YouTubers out there that they were like, they're like, oh yeah, we're we're buying you know buying stuff off the dark web. We're gonna see what this looks like, and they're like, oh, this is a cute teddy bear, and they shake it, and you hear stuff rattling around. It's like, oh shit, and, and so like people get creative with how they send stuff. You know, honestly, you have more stuff coming through the mail than you do anything else. That's right. And- I was. I was in a relationship with somebody that got caught up in pills, started buying them from overseas, and then began um, being their hub. So they would send all the drugs to this person, and then this person would distribute the drugs in in the uh, in the United States, mm-hmm. and then eventually got busted and served time for it. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's like it's not as it's not as uh you know they're they're coming across our border to sell drugs as most people think it is it's mostly right. come, a, a lot of it comes through the mail and and mm-hmm. you know that's where you can have the argument of you know is is border patrol or or customs and enforcement you know are they looking in the wrong direction for things that are you know hurting people and the answer is yes i mean the overwhelming majority of people that cross the border are just looking for opportunity they're not carrying drugs and if they're if they are carrying drugs well then we have appropriate punishment for that yeah but i mean texas texas has more more farmland and florida we have a lot of farmland so if seven thousand people come in to texas and work the lands and then go back at night we just need an entrance for that and i think if you want to give all the resources to the you know to get rid of the drugs i'm in favor of that but we need to update their mandate 
for the 20, mm-hmm. you know, 21st century. We just can't send everybody to the border with binoc- binoculars looking for drugs. You know what I mean? Especially when that stuff's that stuff's coming right. through the mail and people are just going, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> and then I think- but if you want to, if you want to invest the budget in technology that prevents that, mm-hmm. I'm all in favor of increasing uh, border patrols budget. You know what I mean? I don't like ice as much than that side of the immigration system. I think that could be more humane. And I think there's a reason we can all focus on 7,000 people and figure out if we hate them, but it's not all of immigration. You know, it's I mean? not the, like the vast majority of it. Right. And then, cause, because people are like, well, we're letting in Ukrainians, but not, what about the people at the Southern border? We need to let in both. We need to let in Ukrainians too. We're an open society. Generally, we always have a couch for the refugee or the pre- person seeking amnesty. Mm-hmm. We're just visiting, you know? <laughs> right. And so it's, I yeah. mean, it's one of those things where there's, there's definitely a lot to, yeah. there's a lot that has to get improved. And, and that fight has played out in multiple different ways. And everybody keeps mm-hmm. saying the system is broken and the system is broken. But then when it, you know, comes time for them to actually fix it. One side decides what they want. The other side decides what they want. And nobody actually is like, you know what? Maybe yeah. we need a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B and figure it out that way. It's like, I either get my way or no way at all. And then they just wait until they've got their, you know, their majority in, in the house and the Senate and all right. that. And then they just try and muscle shit through. That's the, pr- I mean, one side is like, we should let them in. And the other side is, is like, I dare you. Cause there's an election every two years, Yep. you know, <clears throat> you're turning over the house and the Senate or the president every <clears throat> two years. And you're never going to, because Biden can't let them in, or he's going to like look soft on crime. And honestly, Republicans are really against Brown people right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they see something going on. What did he call it? Uh, ethnosexual, uh, Christian nationalism is what I think it, the best term for it is. I've, seen, it's more, yeah, I've seen that yeah. term pop up is Christian nationalism. And, and it's weird because like, you know, this was like, I was looking, I was reading, you know, some of the old um, like debates between presidential candidates, like, you know, Carter really? and Reagan. And like you, you sit there and you listen to it and you're like, man, these two aren't like all that far off from each other in a lot of ways. Like in, mm-hmm. in, at that time, it's like, uh, you know, listening to it, it's like, okay, they generally agree on a lot of things that these two parties would never agree on now. Right. But, um, it's, it's, it's like one party says black and the other party says white simply because a party said black and that's just it. And that's, well, that's um, my, that's what know. I'm doing here is like Republicans are like immigration bad and Democrats are like, it's cool. And what I'm saying is my doctor might've been an immigrant. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. My, the engineer, the person that designed this house could have been an immigrant. The person that designed the vaccine I took was an immigrant and there's good versions of that. So we, we, mm-hmm. you can't just demonize everyone. You can't demonize a little kid that comes here for leukemia treatment. You know what I mean? And say, oh, immigration bad. And and that Trump did that. He actually tried getting kids out that were in hospitals getting life-saving care. I remember that. Story. Yep. And it, it's just he tried making the immigrant one thing that was all bad. And 
I, I, and we need a lot of reform in that way, but we can't do that by just making it one issue. There's five issues there. And if you want to reform one of those five issues, I'm happy to have that conversation. Absolutely. That's, that's, and that's, it's something that's going to take a lot of work. And, mm-hmm. and it's something that I think that as the United States tries to reposition itself as not being reliant on China's labor, um, yeah. that it's, it, it's something that we're seriously going to have to consider. And, we're seriously going to have to consider whether that's investment that's done in the United States or if that's investment that's done in say Mexico. Mm-hmm. We've yeah, talked about all, before. Those are all fun conversations to have, but we can't do that. If we're just going every immigrant, every immigrants evil, there is some evil immigrants and there's some evil people in the world. I get that, but they're not all uh, murderers and, and rapists like, like the Russian army in Ukraine. There's right. a segue. Right? There's Ooh, a segue. I was looking for that one. Sorry, Jeffrey. There's one topic we never cover, and it's because it disturbs me to the point of silence, and that's rape. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Like, I hate it. I hate Lifetime movies about it. I hate yep. people that get um, off on that. There's certain people that relive it by watching it or thinking about it. There's other people that use it. It's just a power move. Like it's not sex. It's just this dominant power that leaves the victim scarred in a way that I just hate. I just hate it. I hate the word. I hate it. And Russian soldiers are being accused of doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's a war crime too. Um, I, yeah, but it's, it's rape. It is. And that's the thing is, is like, it's, you know, it's rape, but it's, it is also a war crime too. It's just another in a mm-hmm. long list of, of war crimes that have been committed by Russian soldiers you know unfortunately. Yeah, let's call it war crimes and rape because i think it rape stands on its own in a way that war crime just kind of dilutes it i don't i'm to me i don't think so and the reason why i say that is is because it, it's it, you know it's there is this idea that you know some part of whatever a war crime is is just it's like oh well there's worse like the idea that there's worse war crimes than others also makes the yeah. whole idea of having something called a war crime, you know, diluted, you know, these are yeah. things that are just absolutely atrocious to humanity and they have no place. And there's a reason why, I mean, you know, ethnic cleansing is a war crime. Is it is something that we necessarily want mm. to just have stand out on its own? No. And I, and the reason I say that is because if you don't define it as a war crime, you can't prosecute it as a war crime and it makes it a lot harder in order to, in order to prosecute that stuff. So we're talking about more of a record for, um, justification war crime, kind rape, of war about, crime, ethnic cleansing, war yeah, crime. I'm talking like messaging, like almost like ripping people's tongues out. Cause they didn't hear what they wanted to hear yep. is, is, um, it's torture or we could just call it torture and put that in a bag of other tortures. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, raping a mom after killing a dad and having the kids watch somehow just calling that a war crime dilutes it in a way in my brain to where I can just kind of put it in with like indiscriminate bombs that are marked for kids. You know? <laughs> well, and then that's where, you know, like, the reason why we called them war crimes is because the acts themselves were so heinous 
that okay. we you know we had to put them into a category of things right. that were completely intolerable so it's, it's not like it's, so the idea that any one of these is more tolerable than the next uh, needs to not yeah. be part of the lexicon otherwise you know it's like you know then the question is as well should we really prosecute this crime you know the same way that we would prosecute this crime this other crime and get into a lot of trouble in that realm you know because you know then it's like oh well you know you you run into you know what several i would say different countries interpretations on rape statutes are and that's not a good conversation to have when the idea is is that it's being used as a form of psychological and physical torture you know what's funny is like we don't have a lot of listeners in russia so i didn't know how to get the message there but we have listeners in india and saudi arabia and i thought to myself well how do i get them to understand that they should begin isolating themselves from russia because of what russia is doing and then i thought to myself in india and saudi arabia rape is a power tool that men are allowed to use to keep their women in line so the messaging just won't go over well that way either you know well and that's and and that's where you know <clears throat> you have to put it into perspective you know it may be a power tool that gets used, but the question is, is, you know, let's say for, for India, if the Chinese army or a Pakistani army invaded and they used rape against Indian women, you know, mm. you would want that, you, you would want that prosecuted as a war crime period and a story. Agreed. Agreed. And, and that's, and that's where, you know, you have to look at this in, in terms of it is a form of torture is what it is. You know, yeah. uh, because it is using, it is being used in a way to, you know, inspire fear and terror. It gives definition to the word torture. It yeah. really does. It, it gives clarity to the form of torture. Yeah. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's something that, you know, like I said, we have to be careful about wanting it to stand out on its own because uh, what that'll end up leading to is, is that there are certain war crimes that you are, you will want to prosecute instead of others. And right. the reality is, is that you need to prosecute the totality of things that are defined as war crimes. I think it's, it's a war crime that you could, you could charge the soldiers with. And I think there's other war crimes that you can, you know, charge the dictator with. So oh, absolutely. like if Vladimir Putin ordered anything within reason and that is rape to a russian soldier then that's something that vladimir should be held accountable to but at least at minimum the soldier should be well and and here's where you know you run into the whole issue of leadership is is that you have the question of are our soldiers who perpetuate this being punished because i guarantee you like at some point the culpability of vladimir putin comes into play because this information is widely okay. reported this information you know is making its way to russia you know vladimir putin is reading this stuff because they're yeah, responding they're responding they're responding to you know the the criticisms they're responding to the calls so uh-huh. you know that you know that somebody there is in the know and unless vladimir putin is taking an absolute stand and saying no you know anybody who does this will be shot on sight or you know punished to the fullest extent of military law I, within russia then you end up with a culpability that says that you know he knows and he doesn't care and in which case it is then incumbent upon you know the international community to prosecute him for those same war crimes because it's it, it's 
it's that fine line between I didn't know, but I, you know, had things in place and did something about it. And I knew and just didn't give a shit. You don't even necessarily have to have the order. You don't even have to have the order that says, yeah, whatever, fucking go for it. Right. Yeah. I know. I get it. At some point it's, it's, it's all on him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can't deny it. So, and I don't think, yeah, I don't think he's isolated in like what they're saying. I think he knows exactly what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. my problem has always been with these dictators. Don't lie about your intentions. Just say what you're doing and be proud of what you're doing. If you're doing it, you should be proud of it because you're doing it. You believe in it. So be, be honest about it. Why do you have to lie your way through an event? You can't mm-hmm. be, you can't be possibly think you're right. If you have to lie your way through the entire thing. No, you know, no. And that's, uh, and that's the, that's the real kicker. in all of this is, is that, mm-hmm. you know, it's no, it's not us. It's not us. It's not us. It's not us. It's like, do you think we have the kind of equipment we have in place and can show off the kind of just images from above? Yeah. Right. For you to go, yeah, no, that wasn't us when, you know, there's clearly a white Z painted on the fucking vehicles that were sitting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, sorry, but, you know, you can try and foment any conspiracy theory you want, but at the end of the day, yeah. yeah. And it used to be once we knew somebody was a liar, we just didn't believe anything they said, right? That's how it used to be before Trump. If, if you lied to me about something big enough that it affected me, I just, I now I know you're a liar and I just don't really <clears throat> trust you as much. But now it seems like the better and more consistent lies like Boris, Boris, whatever in England, you know, like the more you just stick to your lie. And pretend it's normal the more people are like yeah i think they, they give you credit for that honestly i think i think where the 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 quote-unquote big lie that you have with any presidency um boris johnson i'm sorry well and and <laughs> prime you know and 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 being prime minister um like i would say that i would argue that you know the idea of the big lie starts clear back in um like where we get into Bush's terms on, you know, getting involved in the Iraqi war, Uh you know, weapons of mass destruction. I think, I think it has more, it has more of its beginnings there. It just fomented into this incredible online movement during, you know, the, during the, what I would call the, 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 brown age of social media which is what we're in now it's just shit um because it's getting better thanks to us it's getting better thanks to us so you look at you look at (laughs) you look at this whole issue of weapons of mass destruction and everybody was sold a big light like here's the thing is like we Mm -hmm. knew that saddam had mustard gas and things like that we knew that he used that on on his civilians and i think that yeah I think that you could have you could have made that case plain and clear that he's using chemical weapons and and by a number of international uh, standards we would have had every right to you know do something about that, but we get into these quote unquote weapons of mass destruction and I think a lot of people assume that meant you know either like a dirty nuclear bomb or any number of you know you know insane and severe uh, chemical weapons. And I think it's not a hundred percent one way or another. Like the intelligence is always a gradation scale, right? Right. 
so so you have it i would say you have its beginnings there because you have a bunch of people going what fucking weapons of mass destruction what proof do you have what <clears throat> and you and you heard right. any number of different theories you know like uh in syria when they supposedly found you know chemical weapons that were labeled you know with the iraqi flag and they had iraqi markings on it there was never any there was never any sort of um proof that that actually ever happened but people you know people who you know supported the side of us going into iraq because of that you know looked for things like that where people were like what fucking weapons of mass yeah. destruction but you know that's right they were dissembled they were dissembled and moved disassembled. into pakistan to hide them or right? you know or syria or there yeah, was a yeah, number yeah. of there was a number of quote-unquote places that saddam, saddam was batshit crazy he thought he was a biblical biblical character that was meant <laughs> to reign over the middle east mm -hmm. you know what i mean like he was insane mm -hmm. like, easily proven easily proven insane <laughs> yeah so so i would say that's where you have the start but you don't necessarily have the platform in order to spread the quote unquote big lie. The next right. big lie that we really, you know, that we really see take hold involves Obama's birth certificate. And that one you saw bolstered more within social media. And I would argue yeah. within the 24 news, uh, news cycle, because everybody talked about it. Everybody talked about whether or not Obama's birth certificate was real. And the funny thing was, is, is that <clears throat> when Trump got elected, he, put out a statement saying he saw the birth certificate and he was satisfied, but that never stopped the, the whole issue of whether or not the certificate itself was real. And the idea that, you know, one person could be like, yeah, I looked at it. No, he was satisfied with it is absolutely insane. Yeah. That's a crazy I, idea. I watched that press conference, by the way, there was Trump stakes on one side, Trump water on the other. He got up and said, it's, it's real. And that's it. Somebody asked another question. He's like, it's, it's real and walked off. He was so mad. He had to do yep. it, you know, but that's fine. I, I, I was talking to somebody and I was, I was saying that people were angry at Barack Obama for being the first black president mm -hmm. and other people were like, he's not black enough. <laughs> you <know? Yeah. laughs> And that was the problem with Obama. People were like, could you be more black? Could you, could you support more causes? And he was like, I don't want to be seen as too black, <laughs> you know? but no matter how not black he wanted to seem one side would always see him as a Harlem Globetrotter. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And that's, and, and I think that's where, you know, they had, you had the issue of is, is that his presidency was never like just objectively, you know, Right, uh, assessed because he was either too black or not black enough, and I'm not even going to go into whether that conversation. That's that's not for uh, just, that's not for me. I want to observe it objectively. I would, you know, I thought he was a middle of the road president. <clears throat> I did too. Yeah, like, he just he, he had a personality. He had a uh, like, for example, like his domestic policy was was okay, but it didn't encourage a whole lot of growth, like. Like the Affordable Care Act was definitely not the act that it should have been or could have been. And that, you know, a right. lot of cases fell on the Democrats for completely screwing the pooch on that one. Totally. But he was great on Jimmy Fallon. He was great. You know, he, he was great on the news cycles. He was great. Uh -huh. on, he was great on any numbers like his his public demeanor was was definitely great. Um, uh -huh. Like Bill Clinton playing the saxophone while right. criminally well 
criminally charging people right. with misdemeanors with felonies, you know? And then, and then on top of that, Obama's foreign policy was also a shit show too. Like, yeah. you know, not going into Syria, but going into Libya. Right. <laughs> like that was a, that was a weird decision in and of itself. And I was like, what the fuck? Are we doing that was stay away from that was stay away from Russia. That was stay away from well, Russia as much as possible. Well, and at we, this we point, we were going to go into Syria, but then Russia was there, and we were no, like, Fuck. we we were we were going to go into Syria, but then we decided uh-huh. to go into Libya instead. And it took a few years before Russia actually went into Syria. Really? Yeah, I thought it was. Closer it wasn't time right away. Um, like originally, like, you know, there was a lot of discussions on, you know, because the Russians weren't in Syria at that time, but we were having a lot of open conversations with the Russians. And I think ah, we, there was a, okay. there was a moment where we had the chance diplomatically where, <clears throat> if I remember this correctly, um, you, the president had agreed to step aside. Uh, the president of Syria had agreed to step aside. Okay. Um, you know, in 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 conversations with the Russians, the the issue at hand was is that we didn't get to pick the successor or who mm-hmm. could or couldn't run a successor, and so we just said fuck it, and that was a problem in and of itself. Um, because we had the chance to you know talk diplomatically about it, and I and and I get why you know we want to have our sphere of influence and and this was just complete the the issue with syria was completely botched up one side and down the other you know because every every country one by one was botched in one form or another i'm thinking syria we're in afghanistan we're in iraq we're in kuwait i don't want to be in syria too you know so i never even thought about it It and then we ended up going into syria anyways yeah yeah because we we uh, anyway, that's my problem with the Middle East. I say you need to get out of there and let it become what it's going to become. You know what I mean? Like we drew that the, Europeans, England, America, we drew borders in Africa and the Middle East that made no sense right to the people yep. and kingdoms in the area. And I think we just need to get out of those areas and, and let them become what they're going to come and then deal and negotiate with what happens because we can't. <clears throat> keep trying to hold sand in place it's not going to work it's just not going to work. well and and the fact of the matter is is that you know you never had the chance to openly negotiate these borders you know uh-huh. people got what they got and then you know they don't want to give that up and and yeah right but the border might have cut a kingdom in half causing the kingdom to be two and now there's a new king i just think at some point it's got to go back to the ashes ash heap of history rebuild and then we can see what it's going to become you know and and you see these same issues like it isn't just an issue in the middle east it's an issue of empires you see this Uh issue in former soviet states as well you know with the issues between uh armenia and azerbaijan and then you've got uh Mm -hmm. i want to say some issues with you know the uzbeks tajiks and and kyrgyz areas where like you have enclaves and exclaves and all this other crazy shit going on rome germany we all wanted to be empires that we collected them like the kardashians collect purses you know but we got to get away from that we just so let things be i think i think it's you know it's yeah it's definitely an issue of empires that have fallen and unfortunately those empires have left shit scenarios in place and yeah those are working themselves out England created Jordan, Palestine, and Israel. 
Mm-hmm. Like they did that. They drew those boundaries. You know, it's their problem that that shit's blowing up every fucking four months. Maybe either. I, I don't know, but that's their problem. Why are we spending so much money to defend Israel in that situation? Just let's all get out of it and see what happens. I'm sorry. Let's do that. Well, and I think that's that's one of those things where you know every I think every country that wants to actually have peace in that area, you're going to have to sit down and have the discussion of what that actually means and be open about the idea that you know borders yeah. are going to shift if if you want peace, and that populations are going to be uprooted already more so than they are now in in some ways it's true it's true but but they're constantly up they're in a blender right now yeah and so that's that's one of those things where it's it's not a comfortable conversation to have but if you Mm -hmm. don't want to have this freaking cycle of war constantly going right you know you end up you end up having all of these different areas that are just completely fucked up you know but then you have these issues of of you know what happens if the Kurds actually get a Kurdistan? Turkey's not exactly a fan of that idea, so there's that. But a natural order will work that out. You know what I mean? I'm sorry that it has to be that way, but it's been prevented for so long. It's been prevented for what five, six hundred years? Like the Romans, like what well, who was it invaded Jews Jerusalem? It's it's always been in turmoil, and that's because nobody has been allowed to dominate oh, or not dominate. Yeah, I mean, let's be real honest. That that area has been conquered and reconquered and reconquered more times than we've yeah. ever cared to count. Yes, but by us, by by England, a lot by England. They just really wanted Jerusalem. The whole history of Jerusalem is pretty much England trying to get it. You know. Well, I, and I would and say the, other the Holy Roman Empire, the Holy Roman Empire, and the remnants of it trying to uh, get yeah, it back. That was the other side. That was from Egypt. Like, and Egypt and Rome were always trying to get Jerusalem. But then on the other side, so was England. You know. And then you had, and then you had. Um, you know the the ottoman turks come through right it's yeah there is jordanians the jordan the king of uh, jordan wanted to be the king of all the middle east and almost had it until Mm -hmm. he said something really stupid and then people were like oh he's kind of an idiot (laughs) i don't can't remember what it was but there's always that going on i'm sorry it's just the way it is yep like i always say about america if a majority of two-thirds of a you know america wants to be authoritarian then i guess we're going to be authoritarian just give us other people a chance to get out you know Mm -hmm. yay north korea be what you want to be i love your ability to do that but let people out that don't want to be that and then let people in that do want to be that you know russia like i have a note here that says so the government is okay with it 70 percent of the population are okay with it the military is okay with it the media is okay with it so why should i be empathetic to any russian you know (laughs) at what point is all of russia just kind of accountable for the actions of their country you know well that's and that's that's always the grand question and and I think one of the things that you end up we end up forgetting because we get so pissed off about certain things is is that you know, number one it's like the idea that one person can change anything at, you know we grew up with this idea that you could be the person that changes everything but uh-huh. in the face of you know I would say great power and great power consolidation 
in in and especially in places like Russia right now, you have you have more of a chance of being shot in the street than you do of anything else. And and that's, that's right. where you have the question of, you know, what value does your life have? And do you think that your life's value is meant to be, you know, potentially taken on the streets of Moscow? Everybody mm-hmm. has a different calculation. You know, when the founding of this country, we decided that, you know, our value was, you know, freedom or death. And there were enough voices that said freedom, then that's what happened. But if you don't have enough voices that right. say that, it's death. It's death or yeah. displacement. And that's the reality. And, and you're going to see a lot of Russians who are like, I'm a Russian, but I can't do anything against whatever this is right now because it's but, all yeah, in, in all in his pocket and and you then you have this issue like you're like so when should i feel any sort of empathy towards any russian uh-huh for the russians that are leaving because they're like this is really bad and i'm going to end up dead in the yes. street come here if come you don't to cancun then come to our southern border if you, that's what they've been doing if you lot. don't have if you if you don't have countries that are willing to let them come in because they're afraid then right. what's going to end up happening is, is you're going to have a lot of dead Russians that, uh, or, or uh-huh. disappeared Russians that end up in gulags, much like no, you we did are, during this. We day. are accepting them. That's yeah. part of the, uh, that's part of the emergency, uh, deferral of title 42 was for the Russians and Ukrainians coming in at our Southern border. Yep. But then you've also seen, you know, a number of those people go, no, I'm, you know, I'm going to go fight back against the Russians and they end up joining a Russian foreign legion in Ukraine. Right. So what I'm saying is the 70% that are consuming the mainstream media in rural areas and don't really care one way or another, but are just randomly siding with Russia because the story's been inconsistent. Like if you follow it, like I imagine they are special operation, liberation, losing like soldiers. How do you tie that all together is this is just normal victory. So, so I would say that you know, if I'd say that your, your idea there relies on, on the idea that they are getting regular access to any other type of media, not something that is just, just that one, the idea that, you know, the average person is going to have any sort of critical questioning skills in order to go, this doesn't sound right. Right. It's, it's, it's something that you and I both know doesn't exist because we saw how that played out in our media here in the U S where we have multiple outlets. We don't have a state controlled media. Um, the, the only state controlled media we have is, you know, we have Jen Psaki who, you know, says whatever the administration is going to say. And then you have all of these different media outlets who do all this other investigative and interpretive work on what the actual policy is. Public Access America. It's always funny because, like, you know, especially because as you know, libertarians, we get a ton of shit, even amongst other libertarians. We're... I think political philosophy is a lot like religion, and where there's moments you have to go on faith and trust what somebody else is saying. The main, the main focus is it's like less dependence on the government because, well, we've seen how that's gone, and you don't have to do that if you think about it in a human way. You know, more dependence on connections with each other. You can always bring it back to what would one human do for another? What would a hundred do for a hundred? People looking out for people. Find Public Access America anywhere you find your favorite podcast every Sunday and Thursday. And join the chat on YouTube at Public Access America every Sunday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Communities looking out for community. Public Access America. History 
history in the making. Making history in the making. In the making. In the making. In the making. It's called. It's the 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 strategy is moving the goalpost. That's what they Trump and Vladimir Putin do. It's this. Well, it looks like that because it was really this the whole time. Oh, wait, it looks like that. That's because it was that the whole time. And I get the theory of it, but I don't understand. Like you and I saw that the entire time Trump was doing what he did. You know, we mm-hmm. saw that moving of the goalpost. Why don't Russians see that? When Because, the because there media. is no other access to all of this other media out there. It's insanely controlled and it's becoming even more controlled now. You don't have access to opposing viewpoints the way that we have access to avo- opposing viewpoints. And if your only source of information is the government and that's what you have to trust and rely on, the average person isn't going to sit down and go, that seems really fucking suspicious that, you know, we were told that we were going to take Ukraine in four days and now it's really right. just about the Donbass. The special operation. The average person is to, the to, average to person get, isn't going to think about that. They're not. And, and then that's and then it's getting rid of Nazis. And now it's not getting rid of Nazis. And it's just like the goalpost. I can see it so clearly moving, but is it can. a frog in boiling water type of thing? It's absolutely they, just can't, yeah. they can't okay. see it. And 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 it's done strategically so. Dictators have right. a hand on their messaging as hard as possible, uh-huh. unless you are getting information out to the masses in another way, which is where, you know, things like shortwave radio has actually become insanely useful again, where the voice of America is now being played across multiple frequencies over shortwave for places, these places deep in the heart of Russia to listen to. I love that because that's what I always wanted public access America to be, you know, the voice of America. And I like that. So it's just, um, it's frustrating because, because I think that's, and that's one of the things that we have to take with our own grain of salt is that we have the ability to access whatever media we want. We can pretty much Google anything we want. We can pretty much, you know, turn the news channel on to any number of different stations, whether we go from Newsmax or OAN to uh, democracy now and you know or Russia was social until- workers unite you know it's we literally have this gambit of you know places that are broadcasting information Russia has this much and this is it and it's insanely but controlled that's, that's up to that eight weeks ago they had just what we had no in fact no no yeah they because didn't. they're they're their goal was to overwhelm you with information. It wasn't to feed you certain information. It was to overwhelm you with so much you didn't know what to believe. And, and, and I now would, it's just state TV. No, and I would argue the absolute inverse of that is, is that the idea that, that the Russians have had multiple news channels that was mm-hmm. not a thing. They had very no. few they had very few uh, news channels that were not directed by Russian state media. And in the advent of the last eight weeks, those news stations have definitely been shut down. But those right. news stations were, number one, hard to access. Number two, constantly, you know, they were constantly treated as the way that we talk about things like OAN or Newsmax. They're absolutely crazy. Everything they say is oh, illegitimate. Sure. And when 90% of your messaging looks at those situations, looks at that and says this is crazy over here don't pay attention to this right 
it absolutely becomes easy to look at something that might actually be spreading real information and go, yeah, no, that's completely crazy. 90% of what I hear is that you guys are absolutely fucking nuts. So even right. in the face of having the access, when most of the messaging says this shit's bonkers and then the Russian government shuts it down, it lends credence to the idea that what they were getting was crazy. So we're they bonkers, buy right. into that even more. That crazy maybe I'm shit. thinking of maybe I should say a hundred percent of Russia is fed Russian propaganda TV and 70% of Russia is so rural. That's all they get. But in the cities like Moscow, they were overwhelmed with information because there was so much of it because of the access they had to the internet. You know what I mean? So in the big cities, in the, in the, in the cities, I think Putin fought uh, media a different way than in the rural. There's a, there's a YouTuber out there. His name is no fuckers. Um, one I like to watch and listen to. He is a Russian. Nice. Um, shout out to no fuckers. Shout out to no fuckers. Um, he's a he's a YouTuber that wa- uh, is out of Russia, but has since fled to Georgia. And mm. he talked a bit about what you know media in Russia looks like. And of course, he has nice. to be he has to be really careful because in this day and age, like yeah, he's in Georgia, but he still has family back in Russia. And yeah, the thing he's in Georgia. Yeah. You know, which is interesting. Like Russia, occup- Georgia is like, I was listening to a conversation with the president of Georgia and they were like, no, we still see Russia as an occupier. We're applying to the EU. And I think to myself, just from hearing it, that like Georgia is clearly Russia now. Right. But that's not the way it is. No. And that's, and, 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 and that's the thing is, is that, you know, the reality is, is that the youth had more access had more access they had places okay. like ah, instagram so by age i got you and, and that, he that. actually talks about that is is that the younger generation they had more access and they don't support this but the older generation they listen to state-run media and they believe right. this stuff and so y- the youth now is in this position of where you know, those sources of information that they had are being banned and blocked because they had Facebook, they had Twitter, they had Instagram, they had, uh, now it's like, I think they might use Telegram in order to make sure that their message is getting, you know, that they're getting messages in any number of places. But what ends up happening is when you limit the ability of even the youth to access that information, I wouldn't say that it's going to necessarily change the minds of youth, but it makes it that much harder for the youth to go to their peers with information saying, look, this is not real. The things that you are being fed is not true, but you are believing what you're being fed simply because it comes stamped with the state seal of approval of a Russian government. And that's where people like me who, you know, inherently have a distrust of most forms of government go, I don't necessarily believe what the government is telling me simply because of the fact that the idea that I should believe this one body and that they're solely there for the purpose of good is insane. But that's where some people end up residing. Oh, well, the government is telling me this, so it has to be good and true. And that's bullshit. And, you know, that's where having a reasonable suspicion of any message that the government puts out needs to be the number one 
the number yes. one priority for any person listening to state controlled media or even or even like in our case press briefings that come out of the white house and you can right. look at this stuff and go Mm, this feels a bit more like propaganda. Like, for example, I think one of my favorite memes that came out of this week was, uh, according to state sources, that's just code switching for state propaganda. Oh, interesting. So, but really quickly, what I'm talking about is in Bucha, they were like, those people, Ukrainians killed them. They weren't there before, you know, when the Russian soldiers left. Then they were like, look at, maybe that person moved. Maybe they're not even bodies at all. Maybe they're not even dead. And so what happens in Russia, it's like, well, we don't know what to think. We should just not think about it. You know, and mm -hmm. that's what, ha well, I don't know how to, like, they're given a lot of options for one thing. They're not told, think this, think this, think this. They're told, well, you could think what you want. Like, look, you know. And that's, but that's where it gets tough is because Russian state media is known for manipulating all of their videos, all of their images, right. all of, so when you have that sort of manipulation, it's easy for people to sit down and go, oh yeah, no, it wasn't there. Look, see, these are the pictures that the Russian soldiers took when they left. Right, right. Or the idea that the Ukrainians are shelling their own citizens. That's even fucking funnier yet. So maybe that's what I meant. They're giving different options for one scenario. They're, they're giving not... different false options and allowing right. people and allowing people to choose the one that they feel is most believable. Right. It's kind of like split the difference here. We have five scenarios. Each could be equally credible. And right? despite the fact none of them are credible. Right. And yeah, but you're asked to split the difference. And that's what we were always told to do with Trump. He's either really this bad or he's really not that bad. Split the difference there. Yeah. Well, he can't be all bad. No, he's all bad. <laughs> like the dude is either an idiot. You know, there was like, he's a complete right. and total idiot or he's a complete and total criminal genius. And I'm going, no, that's definitely not how this works. This dude is not an idiot savant. <laughs> right. No. And I think um I think I'm going to start trying to request his records from Wharton school just cuz I don't know why are they still hiding them? Maybe I could get them, <laughs> you know. Maybe. <laughs> that's the last last puzzle piece for me and Trump. Uh thank you for listening to Public Access America. You can find us anywhere you find your favorite podcast. To those who would defeat you this is our moment this is our time to those who seek peace and security we support you yes we can and to all those who have wondered if america's beacon still burns as bright tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth but from the enduring power of our ideals democracy liberty opportunity and a yielding hope let me tell you something you already know
to public access America. Yes, we can. Sunday live stream time, YouTube. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher, Radio Public, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making.